Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Go Be Wyoming. Today it is October 7th, and today's guest is CEO Salem Thine of ESAL Engineered Salinity, a company that is looking to change oil and gas. They have found a great innovative solution to an age-old problem about wettability and using salinity to help receive uh, enhanced recovery out of your oil and gas properties. ESAL embodies the phrase, Go Be Wyoming, by seeing a problem and creating a solution to better an industry and to help better our communities. Let's get into the interview. Sounds like you're busy. Uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, life is busy, so that's okay. It's all good stuff, all things that I enjoy. Um, full of blessings, as I say. Um, yeah. You know, industry is industry, and, and one thing we live by is something called the accountability ladder here. And it means acknowledge reality. And so if the industry, a lot of people aren't buying things, aren't doing things, uh, that's the reality. But the reality is there are people that are. Yeah. Right. There's people out there looking for deals, looking for new fields, looking to acquire stuff on, you know, liability only, things like that. And our service can help them too. So we just need to get out in front of more of those people. Yeah. Stop stop going to the old well where everybody was just spending money to do stuff and, and start finding a well and, and make it financial for them to do it too. So if we have to bear the risk on the front end, the cost on the front end, uh, we, we're looking at doing that. You know, I don't mind. Yeah, if we have to, I'll take more on the back. <laughs> right. Well, and and uh, I'm glad you guys um, wanted to come on, and um, I'm kind of glad this podcast is kind of taken off here in Sheridan, and um, you know that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast is talk with energy guys like you about hey, like we're innovating, we're you know the 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 industry is changing, and and we're looking at the realities of it. You know, um, we all would like to see you know, hundred dollar barrel oil, obviously, but I think you got to look at the reality and say, you know what, we've got to adapt. We've got to change. We've got to come up with different solutions. Yeah. And, and to me, innovation really is being able to prosper at $50 a barrel. Yep. Why? Because, because innovation doesn't demand a certain advantageous market price, right? Innovation changes the market. And one thing for me, that's, um, maybe frustrating, but I think that this industry in particular um, doesn't get is we look at innovation as, as changing these, these incremental small adjustments to our profit line, right? By cutting costs, we, we put in remote sensors, we have remote operations in some of our oil fields. Those are innovations that have happened in other industries and we're just adopting it. Yep. What innovations have we done in oil and gas in the last 20, 30, 40 years that have produced significantly more oil at the same price, right? So not, not so, so we can talk about shale at sometimes people say fracking is an innovation, but fracking requires oil prices to be elevated from yeah. historical oil prices in order to really prosper. So yes, it's an innovation. It's a new concept in some ways, even though it's been done for 50 years, but is that actually innovation because you have to demand a certain market to, to realize it? Yeah. So what I'm asking people to look at as innovation is what can we apply today in today's environment and today's market? Oh, something just crashed back there. Uh, I'll check <laughs> on in a second. In today's market that 
allows us to get more oil in today. And we don't have anything except for our technology. Mm -hmm. uh, I look at I look at gas huff and puff. That's an innovation, right? We just looked at the stats from EOG and, and millions and millions of dollars in CapEx. Uh, you have to do six treatments in order to make it financially, like, you know, really realized. Who has that ability to do that, right? Yeah. Maybe a couple of big companies, but that doesn't make sense. That's not innovation. Innovation is, can be applied to anybody, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Innovation is, is this, as I say, yeah. right? It's been around for, for 40 years in pretty much the same form. We all use it. Texas Instruments said, oh, I don't want that. No one's ever going to use that, right? Innovation was this. Mm -hmm. We still use it. Whether I use a touchpad, anything else, everything started with this, right? Yeah. This big innovation. So um, that's what I like. I, I, I talked to somebody there today in SP, and they're, they're in charge of innovation and, and new companies in SP. And I said, well, the one challenge I'll give you as you can go forward is in our industry, we've been very happy that we can drill two-mile horizontal well, directional well. Right. That's been our biggest innovation, really. Mm -hmm. um, the auto industry is trying to send people to Mars. I think we're in two different buckets of what innovation really is. Right. Let's uh, well, welcome in, guys. I'm sitting down with uh, Salem Thine. Um, am I saying that right, Salem? Yeah, you got it right. Thank you. Perfect. Um, CEO of ESAL, Engineered Salinity. Um, they have an office in Laramie near the University of Wyoming, but they just recently moved their office uh, where Salem is currently right now in uh, Fort Worth, outside Fort Worth, Texas. Yes, um, yeah. And uh, Salem, thanks for joining in and talking a little bit about what you guys do. Um, yeah. Aaron, I appreciate you having me. First of all, thank you so much. How's uh, everything in Wyoming? Good. We're we're having some weird fall weather, which I'm not going to complain. It's in the <laughs> 70s, 80s right now. I great. will take that for October. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's great. And I appreciate you having me on, letting me talk a little bit about what we're doing uh, out in the state of Wyoming and some other states, uh, especially. So thanks for that opportunity. Looking forward to chatting. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's just jump into um, what engineered salinity, what ESAL does, um, and I think let's start. Um, we kind of were talking about it a little bit because you guys, you know, innovation, you know, and um, but what is wettability and what does salinity uh, mean in regards to oil and gas wells? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I might rewind just a little bit, um, you know, just so everybody listening and kind of understands who we are and where we came from. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll kind of get into what we adjust. Um, we actually started in the state of Wyoming. Um, the founder of the business uh, worked in the Hanst Oil Recovery Institute uh, there, and he was given a project um, to talk about, if you remember back in the days, and I think it's still done some places, it's called Low Sal. Um, and it was to prove Low Sal up in the Minnelusa up there in Wyoming in, a, in a, quite a few fields. And uh, he completely failed. So kind of, uh, we were born from failure of, of this low sal approach. And low sal is basically just adjusting the salinity of your, of your water going into your, your reservoir. So usually done in water flooding or in tertiary uh, type recovery. But um, he really failed and it really bugged him. And so he eventually moved on from the Ansel Recovery Institute and just tackled this project wholeheartedly, started this business. And we realized why it failed. Uh, and how it can be successful too. But we realized that we were looking at this problem, which is common in a lot of industries, is you look at a problem and, and then you have a solution that works somewhere and so you try to apply it everywhere. 
and you may not understand fully what that problem was and you get failures and then you now deem that technology as a failure. Um, in a lot of areas, people talk about low sale, they talk about it being a failure. Um, we like to look at it as that's just one side of the problem and many times low sale can work and we're not that. That's why we're engineered salinity because we also find out that through, through our research and through everything we've done is that each field is very individual. Uh, if you're a geologist, you're an engineer, you know that every field is a little bit different. Uh, different oil, rock, and water out there. And what our founder realized is that um, the not one size fits all solution out there. So wherever you're at, uh, what we do is, is we look at wettability and we look at a very specific type of wettability. And wettability is just really uh, a couple different features. How well does the reservoir like water? How well does your reservoir like oil? Is the easy way to say that. <laughs> but what we found is uh, wettability is very dependent and individual to every reservoir. Um, even adjacent land, um, wettability and the ideal wettability that releases more oil out of your field, right? So allows oil to come out. It's not too sticky. It's not blocked by water flow, things like that. When it's at the optimal wettability, your field produces a lot of oil, a lot. And low sal proved that on a couple fields, then it proved it in Wyoming. So it was a failure, right? We went back and we looked at it and we said, oh, well, actually, if you would have changed the salinity or changed your water injection a little bit better and tailored your water specific to what your field wants, that would have done it. And so what we created was a model for doing that, business processes for doing that, uh, working down in the state of Wyoming for a long time and expanding out here to Texas. And what we really do is we customize your water. We give you right water. We give you the right water for your field, which is different than someone else's field. And it's a really different concept. I think in oil and gas, we really like the whole, hey, I do whatever someone next to me did and it'll yep. work. And I can just, that's my adoption, right? That's my adoption. And I think, Aaron, you talked about innovation, right? You know, uh, to me, true innovation looks at, you know, the whole market and what's different in there and how I can change the numbers drastically. Um, what we found is wettability really changes your production if you get wettability right. And there's so many operators out here that are just picking whatever water. They don't know what water they need. They pick whatever cheap water they get. They go put it in their field and they could be damaging their field and limiting production unknowingly, no fault of theirs. And what we want to do is want to work with these operators and just ahead of time and say, hey, this is your optimal water that gives you the most oil. And that's really what we do. Yeah. And that was a great that was a great breakdown in in history there too um because yeah. you shortened that up pretty pretty good because that it was a um you, you know there's a big history with water flooding and like you said the low oh, salinity yeah. um and uh so with this new process and we'll keep it kind of focused on Wyoming um yeah. you know you kind of mentioned it some some operators can damage their wells and so this is where you guys can step in and say hey you know you don't have to abandon this field um you know due due to an error oh <laughs> there's a gold mine in wyoming right there's a gold mine all over our country wyoming's got one of them wyoming has great oil and gas history right and they produce quite a bit we know that there's still i mean i, I think don't think a lot of people understand there's still somewhere between 50 and 70 percent of the oil that we drilled that we paid for that we never got out of the ground one of the biggest factors that we've found in our research and our business operations over the last few years 
is that's because we cause damage by putting the wrong water in. And if you're a reservoir engineer out there, you know the classic reservoir damage models and you find migration, clay swellings, things like that. But we've never looked at if you changed from optimal wettability. So we have, as an example, we have clients um, that have gone into water flood and they were at optimal wettability when, when they were starting and they picked a different water source, okay? And they picked a different water source than the reservoir water was at because the, the field was born perfect, I like to say, right? Yeah. Most, most fields aren't, <laughs> uh, but it was born perfect. And they started using a different water and it declined the performance of the field. They locked in production. There's actually a customer we're working with in just north of Wyoming, but it's the same formations, the same stuff you see in Wyoming. They picked the wrong water. They lost 24 years of production on their field and over $500 million. Ooh. And they're paying to do it. Right. right. And they're using the water that most of the industry says, this is what you use. And, and when they came to us, we, we went from, from ground zero with them. We, didn't, we don't know where they're at, where they're starting. We just test their field and we look at their field and we say, here's where your optimum wettability is. And then we look at the history of their field and say, did you mess this up at some point? Not a problem. I'm not blaming anybody. Yeah. We all learn new stuff, right? I mean, I mean, math is different since I went to school. So yeah. <laughs> we know things that are different and we should, right? Over the last 50 years, I would hope we've learned something new in the oil industry. In at ESAL, we know wettability better than anybody. And we looked at their field and we said, wow, what, what happened 10 years ago? And they changed their water source. And, and we looked at this production and we said, man, we back calculated with them. We said, you can go get it still. It's not trapped forever. It's not damage that you can't recover. We can go back and, and put the right water in and go get this oil out, extend your field out another 12, 15 years, get oil that you won't get, or you can go abandon the field, right? right. And, and that's what, unfortunately, I think a lot of operators, they see, they get down to these, you know, one, two, three barrel per day wells, and they say, well, there's nothing else we can do. I can tell all those operators out there, if any of them are listening here, give me a call because I can help you. I right. can turn those one, two, three barrel a day fields into 40, 50 barrel a day wells, right? That's, that's the difference most likely because you're leaving oil back in there and you just didn't know how to get it. We can help you. Yeah. And, and I think too, we were talking about this, you know, um, for the operators listening or anyone that's interested and why this is important is because the models usually, you know, there's a decline, right? When you, when you yeah. get a well, but this will extend the life of the reservoir, you know, the reservoir and the production. And, that, and that's important if, you know, earlier before we kind of started. Um, yeah, it does. I mean, we'd see cases that you might pump for another 12 years. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, it'll be great to, re, to rejuvenate that field. We've had cases where you've almost gotten your entire primary production back out. And the reason your primary production is duplicated is because you didn't have optimal wettability when you started. Yeah. And if you would have, that's great. Uh, we can also go look at fields and tell you, you know, where the best fields to drill are that, that have optimum wettability today. If you're a driller out there, uh, work along with you. It's a little different concept. We love to work with the old stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's our sweet spot. It's working with these small operators out there that are just grinding a couple barrels a day out of their fields and we can help them. But we can also look at bright fields. And if you're out there and want to drill some new fields, drill it with the ones that are starting at optimal wettability. Right. And uh, you'll get a lot more oil the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that both both those sound great to anybody. Um, <laughs> I think you, so. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> um, do you guys see too, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have been looking into it. There's, and I think these, some operators, 
are, are, are getting on the orphan list because they're only making one to two barrels and they're like, you know, I, I can't, it, um, it doesn't, it, it's not benefiting me to keep it running. Again, this yeah. is where it's like, hey, we have a solution for you. Um, yeah. Or if someone wants to purchase those orphan wells from somebody, again, this is again where eSouth can come in and help you and determine if it, you know, you guys do a screening process where it's like, it might work or you guys will say, you know, there's nothing we can do for that one. No, that's a great point, Aaron. Um, yeah, our process and our business process are aligned to reduce risk, right? So we've developed uh, a tremendous screening model, understanding all the principles of wettability, and we can look at property and say, yeah, our technology can work. There's a lot of customers, um, about 70% of the fields out there that can work in, but there's 30% that doesn't. And, and we can tell you right off, and that's free, um, that it can or can't work for you, right? And then if it does look good or it's a go no go kind of screening test uh, we do that just with some data right and all that data is available if you have your field for a while or if you're purchasing a field you're taking over a field most of that data is available mm -hmm. and then if you like to go move forward after that then we start into our steps that how much can we get right to quantify that value and we do financial modeling alongside all of our customers to say does this make sense to undertake a project I don't know how many operators out there got sold something right at a, in the past and, and, and said, I'm going to deliver all this stuff. And then that actually didn't make any money or really didn't do much for you, except for maybe a couple of days or a week or two of increased production. And you're trying right. to figure out that I really make money off of my investment. Um, we don't do that. You know, we sit here and sit side by side with all of our operators and we say, does it make sense to do this ahead of time? And our pricing is structured really on more back end all on performance, really uh, a small amount of pricing on the front end, but everything's tailored to the back. I'll tell you, if there's operators out there that are taking over orphan wells, or if, if you're looking at your wells and thinking that you need to stop production, um, I'd love for you just to contact me, you know, go through Aaron or whatever and, and give us a call. I might be able to turn your field around. And I'll tell you right now what we do with some of our small operators, because cash right now, not a lot of it out there. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll work something out and we'll do it you know at low to no cost up front and we'll just share in that profit on the back end if i don't if you don't make any money i don't make any money and i'm fine with that that's how confident we are with our process and confident with our technology yeah that's awesome and and that's kind of a um you know a a, a i feel like a wyoming you know ethic a little bit of you know uh um we're gonna work and if it doesn't work then you know that's you know, cause it's not working for you, you know, and that's kind of the service and that's what you, your guys's uh, ethics are. Yeah. Our business was born in Wyoming. Uh, yeah. I, I spent quite a few years in Laramie, Wyoming growing up too. So, uh, you know, Wyoming's kind of known for hard work in my mind. Um, mm -hmm. it's, and, and you work and, you know, it's, it's where the rubber meets the road kind of state. And that's the way we run our business, right? I'm not, I'm not here to sell something and make money off of somebody. I'm here to deliver value. And if that value is worth it, then, then I want to share with it. That's what we yeah. do here at, at ESAL. Absolutely. One last thing, uh, Salem, and then we, we're going to change gears because I do want to get into your uh, 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 history a little bit. But um, one other thing to tell operators or maybe people that um, are just interested in oil and gas and um, you know, ESAL is considered kind of a green energy. I mean, because at some point you're saving operators um, first, maybe water, you know, how much water they're mm -hmm. using. And um, we kind of talked about fracking a little bit and, yeah. um, you know, might be saving on some of the chemicals that sometimes Absolutely. are used um, in that. And talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, so I'm, green is not always good in the oil and gas, I, the people in the past, but it is now. Um, this is a technology. We're not adding any chemicals. And it, it may sound a little unrealistic at times. How do you not add chemicals and change something and get something right? Um, right. What we found is actually by changing salinity and, and the component of the salinities in water, um, we change wettability and that wettability releases more oil. Um, we've done this through chemicals. Uh, for a long time, but we can just do it with just water. We can do it to a very large effect with just water. Uh, we can reduce the amount of chemicals you're using. Chemicals cost money. Uh, we can go ahead. You might already have that water source on a water well right next to you. It may be a produced water source from one of your friend's wells. Uh, you guys can swap produced water sources. We can do that. We might have to add some salt, uh, and you might have plenty of that around. We'll see, and we'll look at the financial benefit. But our technology is 100% green. We add zero chemicals. You can't find that anywhere else in the oil industry. We're not injecting CO2. We're not injecting chemicals. We are just tailoring your water the way nature intended it and putting it back in the reservoir to get you more oil. We have case history examples of doing this. It is the most efficient and green and sustainable way. We have a customer that had four different zones of pay. The produced water out of zone A needed to go to zone D and zone D to zone A. That was one of the most simplistic problems. They were paying to get rid of their produced water and reinjecting it somewhere else or treating it and doing all that kind of stuff. All we had to do was switch produced water from D and inject it in A and A and inject it in D. And they, they had sustained large production results. So sometimes that's the solution. Sometimes it's really easy. We believe that the new oil industry is looking at that, looking at where our produced water is going and can we use that? Can we reuse it? Can we recycle it? Can we do that without chemicals? And we find that 95% of the time, that's the case. And so if you can get more oil <laughs> by using someone else's waste, I think that's a pretty good deal. Oh yeah. And and do it without paying the chemical guy because those chemical guys like to sell you a chemical for the next chemical for the chemical for that chemical, kind of like the drug industry. Yep. Um, and <laughs> nothing against it because they work, but it can buy you into that loop that you don't know what you're solving and if you cause your own problems. But we don't do any of that here. Yeah, and, and then you, you brought up a good point, um, you know, because I know Texas, New Mexico, they're going to have issues. And, 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 you know, again, this is where you guys can help them where what do we do with produced water? Can we recycle produced water? Um, you know, it, you kind of just, you've got a solution. Like one, we could use it maybe, or you can share it between operators and then everyone's saving money. And then, you, you know, you're, you're not wasting water. Um, Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I mean, and, that, and Wyoming has a great network. Let's talk to other uh, producers out there. Maybe their water, they're paying someone to get rid of it, uh, which is amazing. You may be able to use it to make more oil and yours might be able to fit them. We can work those deals out. That's what we do with ESAL is we start looking at the logistics, where water's going, and we just give you the right water. You're yeah. already using water, right? You're already using water. Use the right one. Why would you use this any water? Use the right water that can give you more oil. And so uh, to me, it's, it's green, it's conscious, it's value added. It's everything that the oil industry is going to be going to and what we have to do as an industry to continue to buy in that social faith, that social confidence of what we're doing out there because oil and gas is necessary for the next 50, 60 years. We got to have it. Uh, yep. So let's do it right. And that's what we do here. Awesome. Um, all right. I want to change gears before you need to go. Um, yeah, so you, you originally, um, you know, um, went to the Navy and then you actually yeah. were in another energy industry, uh, the nuclear energy. So talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. Shout out to all my ex-Navy nukes out there. Um, but yeah, I um, believe it or not, I was a high school dropout <laughs> uh, out of all things. Um, probably just because, you know, like a lot of people, you just, I don't know, I was young and dumb. Um, and uh, motivated me. I joined the Navy. I joined the Navy nuclear program, and I spent 12 years in there, and just learning a wealth of knowledge about engineering, physics, chemistry, and such, um, and then transitioned into that energy sector outside the military, so in, in chemical processing, uranium enrichment, and power operations. Um, really just learning a wealth of how to do things right and consciously. It's really high-end high quality type of type of industry. And it, it, I think that gave us an advantage when I came over to oil and gas, because I was looking at these problems that we have in oil and gas and looking at the industry and looking at innovation and applying a different lens to it. Um, you know, applying what I had learned in the military and what I had learned in, in nuclear uh, energy and and kind of where we could else go and looking at these old problems with I think with a different view and I think that gave us really that strength in our company to say hey let's stop doing what everybody's doing and look at really what the problem is right yeah. what is really our problem and the problem is we don't get enough oil out every time we drill of our fields right so what have we done a lot of our technology goes back to 1958, 1957, 1960, which in 1960s, we didn't care about weatherability because we didn't have to. We yeah. shot a hole in the ground. As long as we hit oil, we were happy, right? We had years of this, 25 years of just it pushing out of the ground. Uh, we're not there now, right? We have to be smart with it. And so when we did and what I got to be able to do and, and in the nuclear industry, you're very data driven. Right. You want to look at all the data and stuff before you can't make a decision because you can't have a nuclear accident. Right. You have to have yep. you got to be sure before you do stuff. Uh, and so that was really what I brought to the business and said, hey, let's go back and look at this data. Let's go back and look at what's already been discovered. Let's go back and look at this and apply it into today's industry. And those solutions just start falling out of that. Um, and so, you know, for me, it was a change, but I absolutely love it. I mean, yeah. Some of the best people around in oil and gas, because like I say, I love people that work hard, right? That want to earn what, what, what they deserve and out there. And that really what motivates and drives us at ESAL. We're all from there. We're all working class. We're all blue collar. We're all guys that grew up either on a farm or grew up, you know, doing four jobs at the age of 16. And so um, for me, that's what we bring back into the business and we bring a different perspective than maybe you've worked with with the past but it's that hard-working perspective too so uh yeah i came from nuclear so uh hopefully that doesn't 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 kill anybody giving me a call but uh energy is energy i'll tell you and yep. uh, if we kind of looked at other industries more and what they're doing and 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 how it applies to us i think we would really be in a good great place here in the oil industry yeah and and that's kind of why i wanted to bring it up is you know energy is energy and and i think you know the fossil fuels we're still going to need that reliable energy yeah. um but i think too you know like you said nuclear energy is still energy and i you know i um we'll see what the u.s does you know um in regards to if there's any other reactors and things like that yeah. but um there's a place um, for all of it, and we have yeah. to we have to stop fighting each other and acknowledge. I mean, today we need more energy than we ever have. Tomorrow is going to be more than the day before. Uh, there's a place for all of us, and we have to all add value. And um, you know, complaining about all the different sources of energy doesn't get us anywhere. Right. Uh, so, to me, coming from another sector, which is looked kind of down upon by a lot of people, right, yeah. uh, and and not fairly. 
is just like the oil industry. A lot of people criticize the oil industry unfairly. So I'm used to that, and uh, that's why I'm supportive of advancing our technologies in the, in the oil fields and, and proving that we can do it right and we can do it sustained for the next 50, 60 years. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that was, I, that's, I wanted to just touch on that because I knew it, you know, like you said, it has a different lens for you, and then it, it, it did kind of help the, and I think we do need more of it, um, yeah. you know, looking at the problems and figuring out is there an action, you know, instead of just saying it's a problem. Um, yeah, yeah, right. That's but, great. um, well, um, Salem, thank you for your time. Um, where can, where can people find you? Where can people find ESAL? Yeah, great, Aaron. Thanks once again for having me. Um, if you're looking for us, uh, online, if you're out there, we have a great website that has a lot of data on there. If you're curious about it, how to contact us as well, you can find us at www.esalinity.com. Um, that's on our website. We have some white papers on there as well. We give talks at various places. Um, you can also, I think my number, our office number's on there. Reach out and contact me as well. Um, Aaron, if you, I'll share my email address too. It's, uh, it's S-T-H-Y-N-E at esalinity.com. If you're ever interested, you have questions, you're just curious what we're doing, you want to see the data behind it, you want to hear more about what we're doing, just give me a shout. Uh, we're happy to work with anybody. Uh, this is the future. You know, we are the future of oil and gas extraction. So uh, the sooner you jump on, the better you can take advantage of that. And we're here to help you today. So um, really appreciate the time to talk. Uh, really excited. I love your podcasts. I've been listening to them. So they're great stuff. Uh, we've got to have more of this. And uh, we're looking forward to really helping the state of Wyoming with our technology. We were born there. So we're always going to be bringing back. So I uh, really appreciate it, Aaron. Awesome. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. We'll have to, I think uh, we should just do this more often and uh, I'd yeah. love to, I'd love to maybe have Jeff on. I think that would just maybe, uh, I don't know, it might be a long, longer episode, but that's fine. But, uh, but uh, save your time for him. He, he likes to talk. Yeah, no, which is fine. But uh, yeah, well, thank you guys. And um, if there's anything you guys need from me, let me know, but, uh, we'll just keep grinding away. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Aaron. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too. Bye. That was our interview with Salem Thine of ESAL. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and subscribe. We are on Spotify and iTunes. Stay positive out there, stay resilient, and go be Wyoming.